and welcome to a new episode of Talk That Science here on Echobox Radio. My name is Evelien and together with Nicoline I will be hosting this show today. Talk That Science is a podcast in which, we, in which we play the nicest tune and introduce you to the coolest research with a different guest from academia each time. For this episode we invited Vikas Pachte to introduce us to the topic of mobility. Vikas is a PhD candidate at the University of Amsterdam and fellow at the Urban Cycling Institute in Amsterdam also. Uh, so today we're talking about mobility in the sense of the ability to get from one place to the other using one or more modes of transport. Uh, and more specifically, Vikas is researching the process of innovation of mobility. He has a sharp eye and is much driven by personal experience uh, and observations. So uh, Vikas, you grew up and had your education in India. And for this research, you came to the Netherlands. Uh, how do you like the mobility here? Uh, thanks for having me here. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I certainly like to be here, especially after spending my all of my life in India, and where I had like entirely different uh, experience uh, of the mobility around uh, how how we how we move around the places. Um, <coughs> yeah, so uh, what was striking for me here is like. Um, um we uh here everyone bikes and everyone is on the bike uh, and is a biking infrastructure is so inviting uh but that was not the case uh when i was back in india uh say say uh, like uh, to speak of a personal experience i last time i rode a bike when i was like say 15 years old maybe and i never touched a bike after that so why is that uh yeah somehow that's uh, that i don't know uh but uh, but as a uh, as, as a as a young man i would uh, think uh, bike is uh, looked down upon in india and uh, uh, when i was in school everyone wanted to have a motorbike okay or uh, because that's like i think it seems more cool or or also it not only that it also shows you like you you're growing up uh, and uh, it shows uh it also kind of a social status in india so in india like only poor people who cannot otherwise afford other form of mobility so they only ride a bike and they are looked down upon and also on top of that it's very dangerous especially uh since i, I grew up in the village part of the country so that was not a really bothering issue but especially in the cities uh, where the roads are always uh, congested with traffic and and it's very dangerous uh, to ride a bike because everyone is honks at you swears at you and, and and you get really bad experience and then by the time you come back home you you may be really like maybe like really angry so yeah. people would like 
uh, I think that that is one of the reason that people avoid biking there. But here it's an entirely different scenario. It's like you've got very inviting public infrastructure. Everyone rides a bike, and yeah, that was really uh, like uh, fascinating for me. And I, and in fact, I, I really love uh, to ride a bike here. I think. Okay, so uh, to yeah. travel the last mile in India, we didn't really talk about it yet, but the last mile connectivity is uh, how people come from uh, their house to, for example, the train station or their job, like uh, the, yeah, very fine infrastructure. Uh, to travel this last mile in India, bicycles are not uh, the preferred option, so to say. Uh, and instead, a much more common mode of transport is the rickshaw. Uh, it's a cart for passenger transport that we sort of know in Amsterdam from very touristic places. Yeah. Um, but in India, it's very common. And uh, your specific interest goes out to the electri electrically driven rickshaw. Yeah. Uh, could you give a, a brief history of this electric rickshaw in India? Yeah, thanks for the, this question. So this is uh, last mile connectivity is really uh, interesting because I think uh, last mile connectivity also drives uh, the mobility share. So what kind of mobility you gonna use? Uh, so so if you get uh, so uh, so uh, many times uh, if, if I talk about myself, many times I would not take public transport because I know I can travel like majority of the distance uh, with the public transport, but uh, from say for example train station to my house or bus stand to my house or wherever I'm going uh, I may not have uh, like uh, a preferred option or maybe not the convenient options I, I may have to take very expensive cab or taxi or auto rickshaw and, and maybe for that just to avoid that uh, that the very inconvenient last bit I, I might take the personal vehicle uh, so so that that drives uh, I think uh, uh, personal uh, vehicles uh, ownership in, in especially in India, but I think uh, that makes uh, 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 interesting in here because uh, I think uh, 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 here uh, bike acts as uh, last mile connectivity and that makes it really easy decision to make uh, to take a public transport. Say for example, many times people just take their bike, park at the station, take a train and they go wherever they want. Yeah. So uh, like the yeah. bike here in Netherlands is sort of like the rickshaw yeah, in yeah, I'm India. Coming, yeah, I'm coming to uh, that, that part. Okay. So so uh, in India, last mile connectivity, especially in the urban spaces, is uh, is dominated by the cycle rickshaw. It used to be dominated by the cycle rickshaw. Nowadays, uh, more with the auto rickshaw. Auto rickshaw is like uh, uh, with the that that is run by the petrol engines, uh, usually the small engines, and nowadays with the electric rickshaws. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah. Mm. I immediately have to think of the um, the popularity of electric bikes here in the Netherlands. Can you are they somewhat similar electric bikes and electric rickshaws? Maybe in terms of um, yeah how they are used. Uh, yeah, uh, I think electric bikes uh, is uh, I mean though like a prima facie or like you know if you're looking from outside it seems like a, a similar. Uh, uh, thing uh, or like a kind of uh, working on the similar but i think technologically if you look at it it's uh, entirely different products uh, but that being said uh, they i think they both plays the same role of a uh, last mile connectivity so uh, yeah so just to uh, for the people who do not have an idea 
about the electric rickshaws so uh, so we just go back a uh, uh, couple of decades and and just see how how this electric rickshaws came to being say so, so as i was saying uh, as, uh, electric rickshaw is pr- pr- preceded by the uh, cycle rickshaw which used to be pedal uh, 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 pedal pedal rickshaw uh that was uh, first introduced in say 1930s and uh, for then for like eight decades that that was a dominant mode of uh, uh, connectivity uh, last mile connectivity uh but uh, with this the cycle rickshaw so uh, design was very rudimentary and very physically demanding for the rider or the driver so many people tried to experiment with uh, those uh, rickshaws and they tried to put uh, different Uh, powering mechanism so uh, like you still see in some of the cities uh, you see some of the examples where you got uh, on demand uh, engagement of the powered uh, assistance so so what they would put they would just put like a small bike engine and then they will have some sort of mechanical mechanism when when they have the a passenger uh, in the rickshaw they would then uh, engage that if they are don't have the passenger they would just pedal it so so they don't consume uh, energy okay so it it's only powered when uh, yeah. there's a passenger yeah, inside yeah but so but that is the, the there are a lot of variations but the nowadays the dominant variation is uh, battery electric rickshaw so uh, the rickshaw uh, that is uh, Uh, if you look at design wise is more of like very much inspired from the traditional cycle rickshaws uh, the only addition is the set of batteries so usually they have the four batteries and they they got a small motor that goes on the differential or the rear wheels uh, and 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 then uh, they nowadays they don't have the pedal so this this is entirely run on the battery and it it can carry like say sometimes four passengers six seven passengers depends on the time of the day and and uh, capacity of the batteries uh, that rickshaw has okay yeah. and um they became more and more popular these electric rickshaws was this um somehow uh, were there any like regulations for that or how how did this become more popular was it a question from society or more from the government maybe uh-huh that's that's a really interesting question in fact that's the answer i'm trying to find out through my research and uh, in my previous research as well uh, uh what i see from my previous research uh, and research till now is that uh this is a really fascinating example of how uh, an innovation can flourish without uh, any kind of support from the institution say for example like a big industries or uh say government so you don't have like a lot of uh, money that goes in promoting the product and also it's all about uh, how this uh, this this uh, innovation involved evolved over a period of time and how it becomes popular because uh, at the at at the pre- at present uh, there are rough estimates that uh, around 2 million e-rickshaws on the uh, uh, on the roads uh, all over the india uh and uh, uh just to give you an idea of the scale so traditional uh, auto rickshaws that use is the uh, ice engines uh, uh that's been there for uh, on the indian roads for at least for like uh, say four decades uh, has like a total number around uh 8 million uh, sorry 4 millions i guess yeah uh interestingly 
uh, uh, this uh, cycle uh, this the electric rickshaw uh, you you do not have the uh, the very uh, like a uh, accurate number uh, because uh, uh, even today many of the states do not register them as a vehicle uh, because its power output is quite low uh and uh, th there has always been uh, uh, lack of policy even today like uh, the uh, the literature suggests that it was first introduced somewhere around 2008 that means almost 15 years but uh, still you uh, we do not have the very clear policies that uh, uh, that standardizes the auto rickshaw so you see very diverse designs of those uh, electric rickshaws and uh, they many time they do not register and even today like almost no city no uh, in the no no none of the indian states requires a driving license to drive those even you need a driving license for a motorcycle and how uh, how fast can they go um, usually they the it uh, speed stops at say 25 kilometers an okay. hour so it's not so fast but uh, still you carrying uh, people maybe four people five six mm -hmm. seven people so Uh, uh but it makes sense but somehow like imagine the like number like a 2 million auto uh, electric rickshaws on the road and but still you do not have regulation that shows uh, how neglected uh, this mode of transport is somehow i think that's mm -hmm. also the case at the many places the, the last mile connectivity is not so much uh, thought of or looked for so like you can have the like a billions of euros budget for the railways and all but uh, because Uh, maybe because this the last mile is always the jurisdiction of the municipalities or or smaller uh, public bodies so uh, i think may, I, i don't really know what the reason is but uh, it's always uh, not uh, do not get the attention mm. or or importance that it should get that's interesting indeed so you're saying indeed mainly when policies are made or also budgets is spent it mainly goes to the longer distance traveling maybe from one city to another even one country to another rather than this yeah from like going from your house to your work if you live in the same city it's somewhat neglected i think so that that's, that seems like the case in the many of the cities across the world yeah okay well i think uh, it's time for uh, a nice little break and we play a, sh a song rickshaw <laughs> uh, very fitting <laughs> yes there will be two more to come uh -huh. by um, i hope That i pronounce this correctly simande yeah. uh -huh.
Okay, so um, yeah, starting from these electric rickshaws that we discussed before the break, uh, you're, you now broadened your scope in your research and uh, you don't only look at electric rickshaws, but you look um, at mobility more generally. Um, yeah, can you tell me in some, uh, in a few sentences, like what is it that you focus on on your research and how did it come about that you got interested in this topic? Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, for uh, for my research, I'm focusing on the <coughs> bottom of mobility innovation. So, um, uh, so uh, uh, I'm I'm more interested in the process and not the product itself. Uh, as uh, we were talking about the electric rickshaws and how this is the bottom innovation that came up and uh, managed to flourish in the Indian market and not only in Indian market but but the most of the South Asia and part of Africa as well you can find the variation of the electric rickshaws mm -hmm. uh, and what do you mean when you say bottom up so bottom up uh, means uh, the uh, it is this process uh, is uh, more of uh, uh, the innovation that is that comes through the end user or the user who actually uh, using the innovation who actually uh, faces the challenges and depending on their uh, experience they decide to do something about it uh, and then uh, they pull all their locally available resources that includes the human resource and they 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 they, they develop a solution and and that we call a bottom up uh, uh, innovation or a bottom up approach uh, of the solution uh, uh, to solve a problem uh, why it is really important is uh, it it uh, it uh, it is uh, <coughs> uh, it uh, it uses a f uh, couple of th uh, first thing it uses the locally available knowledge and resources so that that uh, what it does is uh, it uh, completely eliminate to uh, to developing the new supply chain so as as we many of us uh, realized during the covid pandemic that many of the large companies were talking about the supply chain issues because there's a lockdown and for like maybe a small product uh, the product uh, like a uh, if product has like a 10 components maybe possibly that 10 components is made in dif 20 different countries and then ship back to a one assembling plant and then that that will uh, help to uh, th then the product will be assembled and and make make one so what that that is the, so uh, though it makes one more integrated but it also ma makes more vulnerable to uh, different situations on and, and also uh, we, we cannot forget about the the cost also the resources that we need to put in to develop all this infrastructure to transport and 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 the energy that we need to put in to actually transport those uh, those raw materials so that does one thing another uh, another really important thing it does is it uses the locally available resources that is the human resources so what does that means is so the local people has the best knowledge of their surrounding the resources they have a have and the problem they're having so so they would uh, really try to find the best possible solution uh, because they actually know so uh, compared to the uh, say some product uh, that is uh, developed in somewhere far country like say uh, some engineer or some designer who is well detached from the the actual problem who just know the nature of the problem and he tried to put all the available technology and all the fancy uh, uh, materials and resources into it to to find a solution of it so 
so sometime that may not be uh, the like Uh, really the solution of the problem so uh, that's why i think uh, especially the, since the debate of sustainability is so strong and like everyone is talking about it and uh, everyone is scared that planet uh, might give up on uh, on us not not on the every species but the human species because uh, human species is the one who is actually mm-hmm. disbalancing the the entire ecosystem so and we were trying to do everything so uh, i think so uh, and for like uh, last 200 years or since the f- your first industrial revolution we trying to develop the solutions or the products more of a top down uh, and and we see yeah, um, that and that's what brought us down, here then yeah. it's um say governments or maybe companies is that what i have to think of when you say top no. down top down yeah kind of so uh, uh, in in present context so top down is more like say for example uh, say philips um, so they develop uh, some sort of uh, uh, may not be that may not be the really good idea to name someone but yeah <laughs> uh, okay so yeah, yeah just a company some, or some, government some really big company who uh, who just you know uh, who thinks they they have this technical capabilities to solve a solution uh, and then they they present some sort of solution which might not be really useful so just take an example that's really mm-hmm. interesting example that we have so so uh, there's a very popular car european car which really good uh, in terms of engineering is german car uh but uh but in india they launch the same i mean that that's what the most of the companies do nowadays especially the car companies that's that's what mm-hmm. they do they 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 design a car and they launch launch the same car is like all over the country uh and in especially in the indian markets uh if you follow or if you keep a eye, eye on so you realize most of the multinational companies especially the american companies and except few european companies many of them are closing down uh, because what they were doing is they were just trying to uh, make a one product and launch it all over the world mm-hmm. uh, but that what that does is that's uh, do not cater to the local needs so local context can be very different like uh, the requirement uh, in the europe can be very different and requirement in the global south can be very uh, even the country wise very different so so that fails to cater the need so so and that that makes it difficult uh, uh, yeah okay uh, uh, yeah so so basically so it don't make a really good uh, uh, product uh, it may be like a full of technology full of like very fancy and new cutting edge material but mm-hmm. but may not solve the purpose that it intends to i see yeah. yeah so to sum up kind of so yeah top down approaches they lead maybe more to very technological innovations maybe that we don't need that are superfluous and instead the bottom up approach like it's better it's better uh, uh ab- adapted to the needs of the people and also it's better adapted to what is actually available in the in the surroundings and thus maybe even also making it more environmentally friendly Correct. yeah kind yeah. of we, we can say 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 that so so basically uh, what i i would say is so bottom up uh, you know uh, approaches Uh, have like a larger scope to uh, cater to the local demands different narratives different stakeholders whereas uh, in the top down approach uh, we have like a one particular uh, set of like a, we don't have that scope we, we don't we cannot 
uh, have a different narratives uh, playing in the development process or we cannot have uh, we cannot ca- i mean those product usually do not cater uh, uh, very eff- effectively to the uh, uh, larger uh, the, the actual like very specific problems of uh, a smaller uh, or, or geographic uh, regions or the uh, p- population so mm-hmm. uh, yeah and related to this um, yeah that bottom up approach are also more environmentally friendly you previously uh, in the previous uh, conversation you mentioned an example of like that indigenous people in india um Uh, yeah, that's, that's really interesting example. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks for the uh, bringing that up. Uh, this, this. Uh, I mean, so uh, uh, when we talk about the bottom-up innovation, so so we also can look at it. So, uh, uh, pardon me for talking a lot about India, but I'm, I talk it because uh, I got this experience and I can talk with kind of. Uh, 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 author not authority but something with uh, yeah uh, i can experience yeah uh, kind of so what what it does so if you go to india uh, you see uh, the only remaining forest cover in the areas uh, is only in the areas where they have the tribal majority regions or the parts where they have the tribals so so tribal uh, communities uh, m- uh, in most of the parts uh, they are more like a bottom up or like a, they are more um, more democratic societies so uh, uh, and i think uh, even when the entire developed so called developed countries were destroying the ecosystem these these are the people who actually preserve them who actually not only preserve them but but help them to survive and flourish uh, those ecosystems so so i think uh, this is a really interesting example to look at and how how this the this the very uh, democratic and bottom up approach can really solve the problems uh, certainly the the mm-hmm. uh, it has on limit some some of the limitations but but i think uh, we we tried the top down uh, down approach since the industrial revolution that's like all like over like a couple of centuries mm-hmm. and and that led us to here uh, at this stage where when we even have to pay for the fresh air like we have to put yeah. some air purifier sometime nowadays uh there's an interesting product which sells the air from the mountains in the cans <laughs> so so that's where uh, we came from so i think we need to stay uh, you know step back uh, and think about like what we actually uh, doing and what kind of approaches that we should be yeah taking i think to go uh, forward with it's a very uh, inspiring example mm. and it's very well aligns with the some of the trends nowadays i think that say yeah. that we need citizen assemblies like democratic citizen assemblies that uh, only they could uh, solve climate change like that's also yeah very bottom up approach and i think it aligns with it okay then i think we can um, go to our yeah. next break <laughs> our next rickshaws uh, song this time by the malarians
Okay. Um, so uh, with the electric rickshaws that we talked about a lot, uh, it's kind of obvious how this is a bottom-up innovation and how the state was not involved in policies and regulations and how it really came from society. Um, and we also, in the introduction, we talked a bit about bicycle culture in Amsterdam. Uh, and maybe we can see this as a more matured type of bottom-up innovation because Amsterdam has not always been the cycling city that it is now. Uh, can you tell a bit about the history of cycling in Amsterdam and how the city became such a cycling city? Uh, thanks uh, this, uh, uh, for this question. This is a really important question, not only uh, for this show, but also for the policymakers across the India, uh, not not India, sorry, across the world and the people uh, who, uh, who want, who are working on the sustainability issues. Uh, uh, especially in the mobility domain uh, so so m many times people like me who comes from uh, some places which where the mobility is completely neglect neglected and looked down upon and uh, rides a bike here and uh, gets this very uh, refreshing um, experience where you can actually think on bike ride on bike and enjoy the view and all and and many times not only the tourist or or the not native people uh, tend to think that this has been always like this but also the local uh, people <coughs> where like a relatively new, uh, younger generation people tend to think that uh, this has been the case uh, for uh, uh, like a since uh, for uh, since the since long time yeah yeah actually uh, i felt the same yeah uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, but but maybe uh, that was not the case. Uh, so after the Second World War, when the entire world was uh, trying to recover their economies and they were trying to figure out how we can sell more things to people so that uh, on econ we can just uh, inflate the economic figures and all. <coughs> so uh, uh, and uh, interestingly, the planners uh, back then uh, thought. Um, uh, that the car based mobility is the future of the uh, transportation uh, all over the world and that that's what you see uh, in netherlands as well so uh, if you go back to the like go, go to archives and see the news news clipping and the development plans in 1950s and 60s you would see they are making uh, like a the said the whole uh, development agenda was revolving around the car based uh, development so they were widening road putting more road taking down like uh, buildings houses uh, <coughs> for the road mm -hmm. in in fact uh, this is a very famous square in amsterdam is called numart mm -hmm. so you see like uh, they there was a planned very big highway was planned through that neighborhood and like they actually demolished some part of the, that area but then oh. people protested <coughs> and uh, now we see the beautiful numart area uh but what happened to that like uh, the but the uh, when this development was happening uh people uh, realize uh, that it uh, not only bringing the con so called convenience uh, because everyone was on the wheel and there's new technology that they're getting their hands on and they were driving fast and all but also uh, in the ni uh, year 1973 uh, around uh, 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 in the year 1971 
3300 people died uh, in the car related accidents uh, in uh, across uh, in in the netherlands mm-hmm. and uh, many of them uh, were like uh, children and people okay. realize uh, this cannot be the future like we cannot allow this many people to die on the road uh just trying to commute or for no reason so mm-hmm. then um, so what this incidents uh, and uh, to f- uh, what this has done is people realize uh still n- still that point people did not know what they want but they clearly knows what they do not want so they were very sure that they do not want this killing machine on their road so they started mm-hmm. calling the cars as a killing machine and and then uh, they st- uh, started protest all all across the country and then there was a very big movement called uh, uh stop the kinder mode so uh, pardon for my dutch pronunciation <laughs> but in english it's called stop the child murder yeah. uh, because so many kids were dying in the uh, car uh, accidents and also what uh, happened in 1973 there was like a huge oil crisis uh where uh oil was becoming so expensive and peop- uh, and and also this the whole uh, uh this the uh, oil crisis and uh, and the uh, initiative from the citizens uh, they put lot of pressure on the uh, on the policy maker and and they demanded though we do not want that we, we want, want more more streets with uh, less cars uh, mm. and that's how uh, then this this the experiments were uh, were uh, conducted where they put some bike lanes and and this infrastructure that we see today is slowly uh, uh, built up and uh, yeah and the, like uh, this is the convenience so uh, you see uh, what uh, what i find uh, very fascinating and important in this entire development of the car based uh, not car based but the bike uh, biking focused infrastructure is the initiative by the citizens and the citizens very clearly telling the policy makers that what they want and what they do not yeah. want yeah yeah that so clear uh, like mm-hmm. in the in this case what you told now uh, is that top or initially there was this top down plan with uh, making the streets wider and uh, having a highway through the yeah. new market uh but the people uh sort of bottom down came uh to the policy makers said we don't want this we exactly, want, yeah. we don't want cars in the streets yeah and the policy makers they listened and that's why yeah that Amsterdam is now such a bike friendly city yeah that, that's true uh, because see uh, this is the uh, decision make policy makers or the or the politicians uh sometimes someone come up with a really fancy idea and then they somehow make a really nice presentation and convince the decision makers and they thinks that's the way but that's not the people want what people want people do not want to move faster like uh, uh, what people want is convenient they, they want to be convenient so if i ask you say for example what do you want so you want to uh, park your car on a street to be able to you know the street to have the parking space for your car or you want your kids to be able to play on the street and i'm sure many of the most of the people would say i would be very happy if my kids can you know go to uh, go on road and play without being worried that some car might you know crush them down or like that there will be some something wrong will happen to them so so i think uh, that's that's the approach uh, 
that that's what uh, uh, brings this change like uh, so so you see also also interestingly uh, this example of uh, uh bikes uh, like a uh, dutch bikes uh, that's also interesting example to look at so i'm also a mechanical engineer so i understand li- a little bit of about the designing mm-hmm. principles and, and and design and all so uh, as an engineer i would always try to make most efficient possible machine yeah uh but if you look at the dutch bikes uh they're not very efficient <laughs> not bikes efficient at all for somehow <laughs> yeah but uh almost all maybe a very small percentage of bikes here are like a kind of a racing bikes in the style of a racing bike which are relatively more efficient right but yeah but pe- the majority of the bikes here yeah, are like, like upright, upright bike yeah, you catch you a lot to, of wind it's heavy yeah, yeah. It, it's a very solidly made bike like it's not very lightweight it's very solid mm-hmm. bike you have to sit upright and uh yeah uh, and also it not only like last longer but it also what it also does is it also keeps you aware of or it it it's enables you to interact with your immediate surrounding it it uh, enables you to talk to your fellow biker it uh, or, uh, you know uh, take a look at uh, neighborhood you 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 riding through or uh, or t- uh, interact with people or you know uh, be more Uh, present uh, in the moment uh, so so see so what people are doing so if you ask policy maker or not the policy maker but designer and all everyone would advocate for the very this efficient bike these are faster and this and that and hundreds of other reasons they would give but people are still preferring the the traditional upright bike uh, and and that's also like another interesting example of uh, bottom up Uh, approach i would mm-hmm. say because uh, since people are preferring uh, this kind of bike companies has to make them mm-hmm. otherwise every company would go and make some something really fancy fancy bike uh, but yeah so so again so that again emphasizes uh, on the point that i was trying to make is what people want is to something that runs very smoothly something get works done it it need not to be have to be like a very fancy stuff really cutting edge technology and all it need to just work mm-hmm. uh, and just and it needs to be simple it's like a simpler the product better the is i mean uh, Less people will yeah people will use it more Mm-hmm. because oh. it's more convenient for them they don't have the learning curve they don't have to learn how to use that particular thing they don't have the very uh very rigid maintenance schedules and then you know like uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that kind of uh, things very interesting yeah. i was always wondering about this like i couldn't have i didn't come up with an explanation but i did wonder like why is netherlands most famous biking country but they have the most shitty bikes <laughs> i always wondered but now i finally have an explanation now maybe <laughs> you great. can switch your bike to the more upright bike <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah because i yeah indeed i switched to the the fast one <laughs> because i didn't get it but i will reconsider <laughs> okay let's go to the next song this time not a rickshaw but just called a bike rider because it fits with the last topic That one you levitated to all the bicycle rider seen Bicycle rider bicycle rider Bike rider on my other bike rider Bike rider on my other bike rider Trust me riding a bike is better 
So um, we're slowly coming uh, to the end of the podcast. So yeah, before we end, I was wondering, what do you think roughly the mobility of the future look like and what role does technology have in it? Oh, that's an interesting question. 
it's not because i need time to think about it but as we talking we been talking i mean that's what uh, people tell like you know you don't know the answer you know they say that's an interesting question <laughs> yeah so you get some extra seconds to think some time to think about <laughs> fair it. enough <laughs> yeah uh, but as as we been talking about you know so we need to have a more of a bottom up approach and <clears throat> and not a very top down approach so and 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 frankly speaking i don't really have an answer to that but what i would say is um what people want the uh, i mean uh, people i knows what they want and and it would be really interesting to let people uh, come up with the solution and what they want uh but what i can say is what they want is something that's uh reliable and punctual uh, especially in terms of the mass transit system uh, like the trains or the buses uh, like that so so many times uh, uh, you you don't so we don't really need something fancy you know like uh, if i go uh, go and scroll the uh, magazines or the news on the automobile uh, that that covers the automobile thing so so future that they present or the top down solution that you see is more of uh, like uh, flying taxis <laughs> or autonomous cars uh, or uh, something like a very fast something like a hyperloop or uh, i mean uh, uh, and interestingly enough uh, these solutions are sold to us uh, to save the time uh, but the tragedy is we cannot accumulate time so we just have to leave the time we we cannot like accumulate like as we do with the money yes and in so fact uh, there is this uh, uh fact from this book right uh, that says um you know do you know the name of the book uh, i mean the one that's written by the mm. cycling professor <laughs> Uh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's the movement take back the streets. Yeah. yeah, yeah, this this book is by the professor Marco Drebomostrut and yes. Thalia Varkade. Yeah, yeah, and there they say that uh we just travel further but we don't gain any time like exactly. over the last decades. Yeah, uh in fact over the last century. So mm. we 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 are not no matter how fast the mode of transportation is getting we are not actually saving the time on the transportation we actually traveling farther and farther mm-hmm. so so what we actually doing with this kind of uh, um, like a top down solution so uh, i think yeah uh, we uh, i would like people to come up with their and and demand what they want yes. and uh, i would urge people to really be vocal about it mm-hmm. and just decide themselves what they want they do want cars on street or they want the space for their kids to play on or they yeah. want to drop their kids in a school in some very big heavy car or they want their kids to be able to drive uh, ride a bike bicycle or walk to uh their school uh mm-hmm. i think uh, people are wise enough and they will make uh, yeah. a right choice so better th- uh, better than me asking you the question mm. i think i could better ask you to ask a question to the people yeah what so, what, what uh, question would you ask i would say yeah so i would say ask uh, what what they really want what i mean people can have the different perception they may want a different things but uh, but they need to ask it what, mm-hmm. whatever the question is and and again so mobility is so complex phenomena uh, you cannot have a very clear answer to it so you always have to um, uh, find a different solution and see if it works in fact even uh, a solution that works 
at one place not necessarily will work on mm-hmm. the other place so yeah. so every city every community has to find their own solution to the problem yeah so we have uh, to ask and they have to keep working looking for it they have to keep improvising and they have to keep trying and trying and then try to see what works best for them yeah so we always have to ask each in each different place each different neighborhood city what it is that the people want because exactly. then we have a, or a button want. or not yeah. want yeah, yeah even then if they know what they do not question. want that that also brings you like a half of the like you wins the half of the race mm-hmm. yeah okay then i think this uh this beautiful question <laughs> what mm. do you what do the people want <laughs> is it an analog bike or a flying car <laughs> <laughs> this uh, brings us to the end of the podcast um Thank you very much Vikas yeah, for Thank you for having me us. and for this having this uh, hosting this beautiful show. It was this very really informative and yeah. Mm-hmm. It was very thank interesting you. to uh, yeah. talk about something seemingly so ordinary <laughs> but yes. so important for us. That's true. Also thanks Evelyn. Thank you Nicoline. Yes. <laughs> for doing it together today. And um yeah, and the listeners thanks a lot for uh, for tuning in. Um, next month we will not have a live interview but we will just replay one of our previous episodes and the month after that will be April we are back with a live episode again so um, I will just play a last rickshaw song this time by Slow Nomaden